enjoy the benefits of nuclear, which is a massive energy source. It's safe, it's reliable, and it's, uh, it's got a very low uh, impact to the, uh, to the environment. Benga. And I'm Adam Borgatti. Welcome to the Road to Net Zero, Acon's sustainability podcast. Happy summer, everyone, and welcome to our new podcast episode. Hope everyone is having a fun filled summer. It's really great to be back on the podcast. I'm not going to lie, I did have some FOMO when Adam Borgatti was recording an episode last month with a guest host. <laughs> great to have you back as well. Uh, I certainly missed having you as a co-host. It was a great chance to get our partners uh, from our Quebec team into the mix and do a, a full episode in French, which was awesome, and I think uh, something we'll hopefully keep doing down the road. So thanks to Youssef and Clément. Uh, and let's just say I tried my best to keep up with our hosts, but uh, an engaging podcast on the evolution of integrated design and construction was a pretty big leap for me from my university French days at McGill, which is usually done in pubs well into the evening hours. So uh, thank you to all, and, and hopefully you can bear with me on the on the French one, and we've also got the English equivalent. Speaking of big opportunities, uh, today we are going to be talking something uh, that is small and has very big opportunities, and as most of you know, the best things come in small packages. So that is small modular reactors. That's what Adam's talking about. So this small but mighty source of clean energy can play an integral part in the energy transition. Many events have occurred in the past couple years, um, that have brought issues of energy security to the forefront, galvanizing the debate around alternative sources of energy, including nuclear as a part of the roadmap to net zero energy and decarbonizing energy systems. There's a lot of discussion and excitement about an energy source that can play an integral role um, in developing a cleaner future, and really that is the small modular reactor technology. So SMRs are less complex, targeting lower cost and faster deployment uh, compared to the earlier larger scale nuclear energy facilities that we've all known about in the past. So speaking of Canada specifically, the government's made commitments to support the development of SMRs, including close to a billion dollars in financing to develop a grid scale SMR and a $120 million investment to support SMR initiatives, also including early phase development. Definitely a lot of investment happening in this space for sure. And to talk to us more today about the SMR space, we have Greg Thied, VP Nuclear Strategy and Business Services at Acon, to talk to us more about the small technology with big opportunities. Thank you for joining us today, Greg. Great to be here. Greg, uh, great to have you with us today. And uh, we always like to start with the basics and definitions for our listeners, uh, more acronyms that we like to add into our alphabet soup of uh, acronym universe here in construction and, and sustainability. So can you give us a quick primer on SMRs? What are they and how do they work? Sure. Yeah, great. So you've got the acronym, Small Modular Reactor. And so, so by definition, an SMR is a 300 megawatt uh, thermal output uh, or smaller. Um, so today in, in Ontario, all the reactors that we operate, uh, these commercial reactors are can-do reactors, and they're, uh, they're in the order of about 800 megawatts. And so these small modular reactors, we'll talk a little bit about some of the new technologies and some of the, the benefits, but SMRs uh, are really moving quite fast here in, in Canada. Enercan has established a, uh, an SMR roadmap. It's a pan-Canadian roadmap that takes a look at new nuclear technologies. And there are three streams for SMRs uh, that, uh, that Canada is focusing on. And the first stream is a, uh, a grid-scale 300-megawatt uh, reactor, which is uh, a project that is ongoing and quite exciting at OPG's Darlington new nuclear site. And uh, the technology that's been selected for, 
for, for that project is a GE Hitachi BWRX300. And I'll elaborate on what the BWRX means. It's a boiling water reactor, and the X means it's 10th generation. And so to build on that a little bit for the listeners is that this is the 10th generation of a boiling water reactor that GE is has designed and installed around the world. There's a fleet of about 60 to 62 of these reactors in operations today. And what GE's done through market trends is redesign their BWRX large reactor and repackage it into a much smaller reactor with simplified systems, the same fuel, very similar components. So it has a high degree of confidence in terms of being able to uh, finalize engineering and have a, uh, a high confidence for operating uh, the facility. There are two other uh, SMR focus areas for Canada. There's a, uh, a second stream, stream two, which is looking at what are called VSMRs. They're called very small modular reactors. And as we said before, an SMR by definition is 300 megawatts. These VSMRs are much, much smaller. They're defined by a five megawatt output, and they're meant for different applications for remote communities, industrial applications, where you don't have transmission and distribution access to get electricity to these very remote areas or uh, industrial applications. And then third and final area for, for Canada is uh, Stream 3, and these are called advanced reactors. And these advanced reactors are, are really the next generation of ultra-safe uh, reactors that are still under, under heavy development. And in Canada, uh, New Brunswick Power is taking the lead on this particular stream, and they're working with two companies, uh, Arc Clean Energy and Moltex, uh, which is very exciting, but their development is a little bit behind the ReadyNow technology in the Stream 1. So hopefully that gives you a bit of uh, an understanding of SMRs. Very cool. Thank you for providing that. And VSMR is another acronym to add to our list. So the Independent Electricity System Operators Pathways to Decarbonization Report forecasts that in less than 30 years, Ontario could need to more than double its electricity generation capacity. What role do you see SMRs filling to meet these energy demands? So we, we've been uh, working very closely and we've studied the report as well. And if you think about the electricity infrastructure here in Ontario, the energy mix in terms of generation includes obviously hydro, wind, solar, nuclear energy, and a few other smaller generations. But the, the big focus and what we call baseload generation is typically nuclear. So if you look at the gap in the pathways report between now and 2050, there's a fairly significant gap from today at 42,000 megawatts to the forecasted uh, demand of 88,000, over doubling what Ontario's electricity consumption is going to be. And as you can imagine, this study really lays the foundation for how does the province meet the future energy needs uh, for, for the people. Um, and so one of the elements in the, in the report is a breakdown of the current capacity today for electricity generation across the different energy mix, as well as what's currently going to be in, in operation in 2050. So today, 
what we have is we've got uh, a nuclear fleet where in 2050, about 8,600 megawatts will currently be operating in 2050. But what the forecasted demand looks like for nuclear is up to 26,000, almost 500 megawatts. So it's a, it's a significant increase. And so when we take a look at small modular reactors, the province and the government are also very much looking at large nuclear reactors. So the AP1000 by Westinghouse, also looking at the CANDU SNC um, technology. It's a, it's a Canadian technology. We know it quite well. We built it, we operate it, we maintain it. Um, so there's quite a, a, a big challenge for, for us in Ontario to build capacity that's going to meet our future, future needs. And, uh, and nuclear does that very well. We do it uh, at a relatively low competitive cost. We, we enjoy the benefits of nuclear, which is a massive energy source. It's safe, it's reliable, and it's, uh, it's got a very low uh, impact to the, uh, to the environment. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we're pretty used to it in Ontario and have grown up with it and understand there's lots more plans here. If you think about SMRs in relation to the larger scale nuclear reactors, what part do they play in kind of our energy transition plan and, and also bridging that into net zero targets? And you spoke a little bit earlier on about the technology that GE and Hitachi have, you know, are now engaging here in Ontario. In our view, it's it's always been a de-risk sort of approach, which is using this 10th generation technology and making sure that you've got the highest likelihood of success in getting these to a smaller scale. Are other provinces and other parts of Canada working in collaboration here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Adam, um, there's an interprovincial interprovincial uh, memorandum of understanding between four Canadian provinces. So you've got uh, Ontario, New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, and Alberta that are looking at um, either deploying new new uh, new technologies or adding nuclear generation to their their current energy mix. So the collaboration between the provinces is, is another uh, foundational um, cornerstone for the industry to understand what do we do well today? What do our provinces have in terms of depth of supply chain resources to, to, to support the, these large projects? And so what you'll see is the link between the province's energies ne energy needs, as well as the, uh, the ambitions to either create or deploy new nuclear projects. And so when we think about the small modular reactors, given the, the size of them, they are less capital intense. They're generally less complex, so less, less components, fewer systems, uh, and the, the ambition to be able to build new nuclear projects on time and on cost, of course, safely, is, uh, is very much an opportunity when you actually have a, a much smaller unit that you're, you're able to control. So there's a lot of interest in terms of the, the benefits of nuclear, some of the unique attributes of the different technologies, but then being able to bring those, those generating assets online quicker uh, for, a, uh, for a higher confidence uh, cost and schedule uh, is, is the exciting part of, of what's going on in, in the provinces that are looking at uh, introducing nuclear. And, and aside from the provinces, you touched on a little bit before, but we've often tried to solve remote power needs for remote communities and indigenous uh, areas and those sorts of things. Can you see a pathway to some of those VSMRs into those types of areas? And, and how close are we versus the the uh, the DNNP, for example, the Darlington site? 
we've got a, a well-established uh, indigenous relations and engagement um, model within ACON that's been quite successful on, on all of our projects, as you know. But uh, nuclear is is it's it's got a legacy of uh, and a history of developing these assets without meaningful uh, engagement with community stakeholders, indigenous tribes, uh, and and people that. Uh, uh, that are impacted, uh, whether it's the land, the natural resources, way of life, but also providing, uh, you know, meaningful discussion around uh, endorsing and supporting projects. So for for the question around Indigenous communities or remote communities generally, uh, there's still quite a bit of, uh, of education that needs to happen. Um, nuclear is not well understood generally by the public. And so, you know, the, the task ahead of us as project owners, as operators, as partners to, to bring these, these technology solutions uh, and, and energy uh, projects to, to these areas, it really needs to be based on, you know, a foundation of relationship where there's transparency, trust, sharing of information, listening and understanding what the concerns are. And then being able to get that endorsement through finding ways to um, make sure that there's economic benefit, that there's employment, that there's education, and that there's assurances that the project will be successful. So in terms of uh, a lot of the remote communities, regardless if they're Indigenous or not, the the, the focus for, for small modular reactors or VSMRs is that today a lot of the communities are running off of uh, very expensive diesel, harmful for the environment, very uh, very expensive, uh, heavily subsidized, and uh, we see it as an opportunity to provide clean, safe, reliable electricity to communities that don't enjoy that benefit today. Uh, now the challenge is, is the education and deployment, but uh, we think it's a great opportunity to to showcase what we do well here in the in the provinces that we do operate. Uh, nuclear technology, and we've done so for years, um, but also kind of share what uh, what the future could hold and the benefits it will bring to those uh, to those communities and to those regions. Thanks, Greg. And and so you've touched on a lot of great points in terms of the benefits. It's a it's a clean uh, source of energy. It's easily deployable. It's a smaller technology. But shifting gears here a bit, I wanted to focus on one of the sensitive topics surrounding um, nuclear, which is. Uh, which is waste, essentially, how to manage the waste. And I know in February of this year, the government announced $30 million of funding to specifically fund research on safe SMR waste solutions. So could you talk to us about how nuclear waste from SMRs is managed? Sure, yeah. I uh, I also come from a bit of a perspective from working for the utilities. So I have worked for the nuclear operators here in, in Canada. I've worked for Bruce Power for just a little under 10 years and, and OPG for a few years. And I've toured all the sites where we store long-term storage of, uh, of our nuclear fuel waste, as well as uh, radiated material. Um, and that is, a, that is a concern for the industry. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is that our industry is, is very heavily regulated, which means that we are responsible for accounting and tracking and managing long-term storage of, uh, of our waste uh, byproducts. So um, as a nuclear operator, uh, part of the regulatory framework is that there is a, uh, a requirement on how do we manage and identify waste prior to new projects being developed or deployed. So if you can imagine some of these new technologies that are coming out as part of the regulatory process, 
there is a very, very heavy focus on the type of fuel that will be used. What are the radioactive byproducts? How is it that we can, can, can manage with confidence the waste streams as those facilities operate for the intended years? So today, uh, OPG Ontario Power Generation under their Western Waste Management facilities uh, have the, the capabilities to, to safely store and monitor the, uh, the waste byproducts that are currently uh, being generated by the, uh, by the facilities today. And so what's, what's really interesting when we look at these new technologies, some of the technologies actually have the, the ability to take some of the legacy nuclear fuel that um, will be needed to store for a very long period of time to be able to reprocess some of the, uh, the fuel and be able to use it as feedstock. So effectively, one of the technologies, Multex Energy, is looking at developing uh, a waste burner reactor where what you're doing is you're eliminating or reducing the long-term liability that we have in the province for nuclear fuel, and you're using that as feedstock fuel for their reactor, which is a molten salt technology. So really interesting, um, really interesting discussion around how do we manage it today and how does the process work for all these new technologies that are being considered and developed. But uh, the regulatory regime, you know, makes, uh, makes the process technology owners uh, consider that as part of the project review and the technology uh, acceptance for either construction or operation. That's great. Thank you for that overview. And it's great to hear about that um, example that you gave about as an input to feedstock, a really good example of uh, circular economy. Yeah, for sure. So this is not like uh, people used to see Homer Simpson disposing of the waste on his way out of the nuclear plant in Springfield, right? We've got legitimate rules and procedures in place here. We're, we're covered off. <laughs> hey, absolutely. Absolutely. And what, what's great is maybe for the listeners is, you know, it's, it's hard to pick up, you know, the, the complexity in, in a podcast. But uh, what, the, what the, the utilities do a very good job where they have information centers that you can just drop in. And you can go into OPG at their Darlington site in Clarington, Ontario, or you can go visit the Bruce Power site uh, just outside of Tiverton, Ontario. And you can get a really good understanding of nuclear uh, operations. You can take a look at some of the benefits like isotope generation for cancer diagnostics and treatment. But then there's a really big focus on how do we manage and store waste as an industry. And uh, there's great information that's out there that's online. But if people are interested, they, uh, they have the ability to go look and see and understand about nuclear firsthand and, and speak to some very knowledgeable people about either questions or concerns that they have and, and get some confidence uh, with what we do today. I've personally done the Darlington tour, and it's, it's really a great tour to, to get you know, educated about our energy source and how the waste is managed. So glad that you recommended that, and I highly recommend it as well. Perfect. I'm always excited, Adam, as you know. Um, I just, uh, I think it's, it's really a great, great time for, for the industry. And there's, there's a, a ton of value that we can bring in terms of uh, being able to, to, to demonstrate uh, our ability to, to build new nuclear technology here, here in Canada. And so what's really exciting is um, I'm excited about all the technologies. Uh, obviously, at Acon, we're technology agnostic. You know, we, we love to take on challenging and new projects that are meaningful uh, to, build, uh, to build things for future generations to thrive. 
But uh, what's really exciting for us right now and a big focus is the Stream One SMR project at Darlington. It's the BWRX 300. Uh, up until last Friday, we had a commitment uh, from the uh, from the government and stakeholders, and, and the uh, Minister of Energy Todd Smith had announced that uh, they would like to move from a uh, a one unit Darlington SMR to a four unit site. And so, uh, for us at Acon, when we think about nuclear projects, historically, our group and our team within the nuclear operating sector have focused solely on the fleet refurbishment program of the 10 candy reactors between Bruce and OPG. And what our team's been able to do quite successfully, you know, through a, a $26 billion investment in refurbishing those, those reactors, is we've been able to, you know, structure our contracts, mobilize a team, and showcase that we can actually deliver on large-scale complex nuclear projects, unit over unit, with efficiency gains in terms of cost and schedule. So for, for us at, at ACON within nuclear, we have a, uh, a growing capability that we can bring uh, to projects across Canada, uh, agnostic to uh, technologies. But also what's really exciting about the, the new build nuclear projects, it's really a cross-sector opportunity for our organization. So when we look at these, these projects, sure, uh, a portion of the work is, is, is nuclear-focused, to a nuclear program, maybe a higher degree of of um, of, uh, of diligence in terms of how do we buy materials and how do we engineer and how do we construct. But there's also a large uh, portion of the work, which is you know almost 40% of, of of one of the BWRX reactors, is deploying our teams across civil, utilities, and industrial, and being able to bring the best of all of our operating sectors and our people and our experience to build a, a new reactor. And it's quite complex and challenging work where we have uh, very sophisticated excavations and tunneling out under the lake and being able to uh, to erect buildings and be able to commission systems and switch yards. So it, it really does excite me because it's not just a, a nuclear focused project. It's a, a cross-sector project that, uh, that we can showcase our, our ability and, and be able to deliver on really an important uh, project for for us and our, our ultimate customer OPG and, and GE Itachi, and be able to leverage that uh, wherever um, project owners want to build the next 300, whether it's in North America, in the U.S. or internationally. There's quite a bit of interest, and uh, we look forward to bringing that uh, that capability that we develop here in Canada uh, to uh, to those other markets. Great. Thank you so much, Greg, for joining us today and providing your insights. Learned a new thing today, very small modular reactors, but whether it's very small or small, it's it's big opportunities for, for Canada and, and the world in terms of the energy transition. But thank you so much, Greg. My pleasure. Nice to speak with you both today. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Greg is obviously super passionate and experienced, and we've got a tremendous team behind him uh, all throughout the nuclear value chain here at Acon, and I think lots more to come on that narrative as we move forward. Yeah, I was really interested to hear about the technology, and you know, we've talked about this on the podcast as well, that getting to net zero is really a diversified solution with a lot of different technologies, and in, in addition to renewable energy and geo-exchange and solar, um, SMRs and nuclear is a large part of that energy transition conversation as well. Yeah, no doubt. So happy to introduce the listeners to yet another piece in the puzzle that we are trying to solve as we operationalize and, and 
work on our path to net zero. Funny enough, you know, outside of our operations, in my role on the investor relations side for the last, you know, close to a decade, I guess, we're certainly seeing a transition in the investability of companies who are in the nuclear space. And, and I've noticed that the funds now investing in the energy transition and companies linked to that do include nuclear in the mix. And so it's actually very refreshing to be able to have these constructive dialogues with corporations that look at us as a business and say, this is actually quite a compelling part of it rather than one that was, um, you know, maybe on the fence in the past for those who could invest in Acon or not. So it's actually uh, progressing, not just from an operation side, but from a capital markets perspective. Yeah, for sure. A lot of conversation happening in addition to the investors, um, investment community. Um, the G7 countries recently met and it was, uh, again, nuclear was a huge topic, um, really talking about it from the angle of energy security and in, in the future of decarbonizing the energy systems. Greg did mention the Darlington Nuclear Information Center, so I did want to make sure I mentioned that uh, in terms of getting a tour. Like I said, I've done it before. It's really interesting. Um, but OPG has information on their website, so opg.com. Uh, if you click on Visitors and Information Center, and there's t- information about timing um, and going there for, for a site visit. Cool. Tell them the ACON team sent you and uh, continue to... Uh Let's look into the space. And, and again, lots more to uh, cover on this. I'm sure that won't be the first time we address uh, nuclear on the podcast going forward, but uh, outstanding work uh, by the team. And we're excited to see what develops from this first new uh, site. Thanks everyone for joining. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Acon Group Inc. for more updates and teasers about upcoming episodes. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to our Road to Net Zero podcast.